jump into the science of your heart and the surprisingly greater effects it can have on your everyday experience with heart math trainer and mentor Willow Francis. You know, unwittingly, moment to moment, we bombard ourselves with judgments and negative thoughts that can leave our bodies a stress hormone cortisol waste ground. Willow provides a wonderfully entertaining and detailed explanation about the importance of heart rate coherence and how, through scientific biometric feedback-led techniques, anyone can enjoy the benefits of this state, which brings about improved physical and emotional well-being and resilience to everyday life. In fact, Willow also puts forward that this state of heart coherence can also bring about access to greater levels of wisdom from within. This episode is packed full of fascinating nuggets that will leave you with the realization that the heart may be just as, if not more important than the brain to the quality of our everyday experience. You will also realize just how your own heart is impacting your family, friends, and community around you in ways you've not considered before. So enjoy Willow. Hello, and welcome back to WA Real. I'm your host, Bryn Edwards. In past podcasts, we've had a number of guests talk about the importance of being connected to our heart. Well, today we're going to go deeper and get scientific with that with my, with today's guest, Willow Francis. Willow, welcome to the show. Thank you. So one of the questions I always ask my guests at the start is about their connection with Western Australia. Now, I understand that you came here from the UK when you were one and then spent four years in Carnarvon, but generally you born and raised here in Perth in Swanbourne. That right? Yeah, my early part of my life was here, but then yeah. uh, once I hit 16, I needed to get away. Oh, yeah. So I went traveling around the world and lived in other countries and other parts of Australia. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, a bit of back and forth and a big chunk away. And then about 15 years ago, I came back and have sort of made my roots here yeah. again. Yeah. What was the first 16 years like? It wasn't the best 16 years of my life. wasn't the best? No, no. I grew up in a pretty typical dysfunctional family. Right. Um, It's the early years were really dramatic with an alcoholic father and violence and all that sort of stuff that you hear about. Sort of setting good seeds for later work. Yeah. Um, And then moved across onto, you know, a stepfather who was brought up in the very traditional sort of country West Australian manner, not very emotive or sensitive or very kind in his actions and way of bringing up children. So I had brothers and sisters. It was a bit of a bit chaotic and everyone was sort of fighting for love and there wasn't much around. Right. So for me, quite early on, I realized I just needed to get out of here. Yeah. And the world I'm sure is pretty good out there. Yeah. So as soon as I could, I, I bolted. That's interesting. I, I've had, I always ask this question and a lot of people uh, talk about when they do have to go off and travel away from Western Australia, it's more because they, it, WA seems quite small and they want to go and investigate. You've got a bit more to it than that. Yeah, it was an emotional decision, I would say. It's an emotional decision. <laughs> Very much so. Setting the tone for this conversation. Yeah, yeah. So there we go. So in your journey, you've um, you had a long career as a as a nurse working in as paramedic and in a and e yeah accident emergencies um and you've also been looking at sort of alternative and other healthcare, you know with um the heart math stuff which we'll go into in a minute and meditation and other stuff um 
there's a strong focus on caring and healing for others. Where does that actually come from in the Willow journey? Yeah, that's that's a really good question, of course. <laughs> I think like most people, as they mature in their healthcare journey, they realise it's about themselves. Yeah. There always seems to be that the healing, the care going out is what I wanted coming in. And right. the way to find it is to go and learn about it and mm. practice it and yeah. on the way, hopefully, um, get some feedback. Pick some up for yourself. Pick, yeah, yeah. So And that being linked to all the reasons why you left WA when you were 16. Absolutely. Right. And, it, and it's fascinating when I look back at my life and I see the areas, and especially my most recent work, which is all about self-kindness and mm. the science of self-kindness. Yes. Um, and how much I would just wanted people to be kind when I was a kid. And they, yes. were, they were harsh, they were hard. Yeah. Um, and so I sort of went looking for kindness, I suppose, uh, in a long journey. But that journey has taken me to many, many different areas. I've had quite a convoluted yeah. and broad uh, experiences um, in my life. Um, but it's come back to the simplicity of kindness and the heart math work as well yeah. as the the science of, of self-kindness and how that works for people. It's almost like there's a, there was a preset theme for you. Yeah, I, you know, I, it sounds funny, but I really have got to a point where I can celebrate the trauma of my childhood. Yes. Um, when I go into detail and tell people what I've been through, they're like, oh my goodness. And it's like, yeah, that was terrible. That was fucked. Little people, sensitive, copying all that trauma and, and yep. uh, vicarious trauma, not just um, personal trauma. And just the lack of care and feeling. Um, but without that, I wouldn't be able to sit with people like I do today with authenticity. Yeah. I was working with a client the other day and at first I was a bit nervous because she was really suffering deeply. And I was yeah. questioning whether I was the right person to be working with her because it was really profound. And then I just stopped and just settled a bit and started listening better. Yeah. And then the compassion rose in me because the story was very familiar yeah. Of the parental cruelty and things. And I, as we moved through the session, I felt more natural, more comfortable. I was able to give her perspectives around the good things in her life that she yeah. couldn't see. And by the end of the session, I felt good, wise, deep. All yeah. those things a practitioner wants to feel. But she left saying, wow, that was really insightful. And mm. I could see that she was going to go and do her homework. And we'll see how we go next week. But it was... It was the ability to be authentic with my care and my compassion and my kindness because mm. I've been there. I've, I've suffered. I've you undergone. have a lived experience. Yeah, and I think that's a really important factor in any of this sort of work when you, when you really want to care for people. The authenticity has to be there. Mm. So for me, it was, it's quite easy to um, align and say, yeah, I, I can understand how you feel. That yeah. really is difficult when you're going through that situation. I know myself that was the case. It's interesting having... I've recorded over a hundred podcasts now and it strikes me at times that like I said there was almost like a preordained theme for yeah. you and we have to go into these dark spots whether it's such obvious trauma or what might be less obvious trauma you know um, but those dark spots turn into being our yielding our greatest superpowers almost yeah yeah. Well, as you mentioned that, it comes to mind when you're talking about preordained. And I don't have any thoughts around that as a solid belief yeah. system. But I've noticed in my life there's been certain plot points 
you know, in a movie or plot points when suddenly the, the whole thing goes off to the left or the right. And it's almost like it just had to go that way. Yes. Like the time I, I wrote to you about when I, um, I had an accident and, and burnt my eye and was blind for a couple of weeks. They patched my eyes. I had uh, caustic in my eye and it burnt mm. my cornea. And it was pretty... I was very lucky I was working in a hospital at the time, so I got immediate care. And then yes. immediate care, getting driven to the best eye specialist in Sydney, straight into the rooms, and they knew what to do straight away, so I was yep. very lucky. Um, but in that time of blindness, I went through the dark night of the soul. Mm. I, I was all very, already very unhappy where I was, trying to leave this job I'd been in. I wasn't happy there. I couldn't find my way out of this contract or anything. Mm. I had no family or friends around, really, just work people. And it took me to this spot when I was blind, was this deep, dark depression, um, as it can do when you don't know if you're going to get your sight back as well. Yes. Um, but when I, as the healing happened over the next six, seven months, as my eyesight came good and my left eye became good enough to see pretty well, um, I just, it was just so clear. I just packed up. I took two weeks leave. I didn't even tell them. Uh, got a backpack and a one-way ticket to London and $400 via America, via LA. And I flew to Sydney. I flew from Sydney to, to LA. And I landed in LA and I walked out the front and it was pretty scary. So I walked back in and I flew up to San Francisco, which is a lot softer. And I arrived on Independence Day and it was there was parades and celebrations and I just felt like it was my independence. Yes. Somehow I'd lined up. And then that journey set me up for life. I just hitchhiked across America with, with no money. I learned so much about people being kind and helpful and not to listen to the fear. The fear, you know, as I moved yeah. closer to New York was the best example. The closer I got to New York, the worse the stories got. You yes. know, don't go to New York, you're crazy. You'll get robbed, you'll get murdered and all this. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, keep on going. And, and I'd had an amazing journey, a few scary moments, but generally really supportive, exciting. A couple of months to get over there and I had the best time of my life in New York. I went back three times. It was so, yeah. so much fun. Central Park, and it was summer, and it was hip. It was happening, and I just yeah. had a ball. And uh, yeah, so it taught me something. Yeah, um, not to listen to to that to that yeah. fear, but to go out and trust that life is pretty good out there. So that journey sort of set me up for life with heading off the track and becoming a bit more alternative as well, mm. um, getting more to the fringe of society. So how did you end up, how did you choose to go into nursing to start with? Well, that was a bit of a default. Um, the job I was in, I was avoiding talking about, but I was a, I was a paramedic in the Navy. So I'd run off right. and join the Navy. It was the only way to get away from home when I was 16. Right. And I tried everything in the Navy. You know, caring persons, a paramedic was pretty good. Um, didn't like it at all. It's very, not not me now, definitely. Um, and at mm. sixteen, very impressionable. So then I got to go on a seagoing ship. That's got to be that's got to work. Um, but that was no fun. And then I got to be at a little um, base down at Garden Island here. Uh, so your little independent clinic. You sort of got a lot yeah. of freedom. You're not in the mainstream, and thought that'd be good, but that wasn't much fun either. So I realised eventually I had to I had to leave, but I was contracted. And they, they throw you in jail if you desert from the Navy. You know, it's quite a high... So you went AWOL? I went well and truly AWOL. I went AWOL like I took two weeks leave, hopped on an aeroplane and flew to America. And yeah. I had um, warrants out for my arrest. Global, Interpol. I was, a, I was a, a fiend. How exciting. I know, it was so exciting. Especially <laughs> at 20 years old. Yeah. Know, I was 20. And I had my 21st birthday in Vancouver. Oh, no, in uh, Quebec in, in Canada. 
And it was just surreal to be so free, but still in the background, I was always cautious. I had two passports, my British and my Australian. So I'd enter one spot on one and leave on the other and try and break up my trail and be all <sighs> super. Yeah, phew, that's what happened. After a year or so of living like that, the fuel got too much, the back ground of that stress that anxiety of always wondering am I going to get caught yeah and then what would happen because I know as a nurse in the navy or a paramedic they don't treat people that go AWOL very well they put them in Holdsworth prison and they beat them up and they make them do horrible things it's quite um if people knew about it they'd be quite shocked so that was always in the background and I'm only a little person so I was quite nervous about the intensity of my punishment Um, yeah but anyway I stayed with it and there was some saving grace that there was a bit of manipulation on their part, their part that they um, were a bit deceptive in the contract that I'd, that I'd signed and they're trying to make me stay longer than I should have done. Yeah. Um, and so I wrote to my um, parliamentarian here, John Dawkins, who was the local member for Fremantle. Yeah. But he also ha- happened to be the treasurer of Australia at the time. Right. In parliament there in the big, in the big parliament. So I wrote to him, and I'd already written anyway, trying to get out, trying to get a way out of the Navy. I'd tried all streams this to get out. before you left? Yeah, left. before I left. I'd, I'd try, I was going to join the Communist Party. I was going to be gay. <laughs> I tried, you know, I got, I got literature from the Communist Party, and I, you know, I dressed uh, like the sannyasins when on my days off, and I'm <laughs> trying to get someone to notice that I should, oh, this guy should be turfed, you know, but it didn't work. Um, and then, so when I was in London, I, I sort of wrote to him again, you know, saying... I'm on the run and I'm on my own and da da da, da. Yeah. and and so he sorted everything out. And oh, he, he, yeah, but there was a little catch to it. So I got the go ahead from my mum that I could come back to Australia, that I was all yeah. good. But I didn't have anything in writing, so I got my shit together and and got some pennies and got on a plane and flew back to Australia. And yeah. coming through customs, I wasn't sure if anything was going to happen. Yeah, and I got through okay. That was all good. I was like. Oh, the relief, you know, to come from being on the run like that. Yeah. And then to be back in Perth was surreal again. I bet. Being in London, I've been living in London, different jobs and partying it up and being a young fellow at the time. But then a very interesting thing happened that I, I thought, oh, I'd better go renew my driver's license. So I didn't have a license, I wanted to drive. So my mate, um, oh, we'll go into the city, then we'll go and have a counter lunch at the Cottesloe Hotel and make a day of it. So yeah. headed into the city, went to the driving place in the city, went upstairs and went in and put in the form and the lady looked at it and went on the computer and then she said, oh, just grab a seat there and we'll be with you in a minute. Oh, okay, so I sat there and five, 10, 15 minutes went by. And everyone had disappeared from behind the counter. And I'm like, this is odd. Well, maybe it's lunch break or something, you know? Yeah. And then four big policemen turned up at the door and two blocked the door and two came in and he had a, a clipboard and walked straight up to me and said, are you Willow Francis? And I said, yeah. And he goes, well, I've got a, a warrant here for your arrest. And I thought, oh my God, what the fuck? They've conned me. They've tricked me to come back so yeah. they can arrest me. And I said, no, no, that's all been sorted out. You know, he goes, I've got a warrant here. It's active for your rest. You've got to come with us. And I was just, it was all my worst fears, the coldness that moves through my body. Yes. You, you can imagine real fear, proper fear. Yeah. So they took me downstairs and they put me in the back of a paddy wagon. I'd never been in the back of a paddy wagon. And <laughs> here I am going down St. George's Terrace, looking out the little window at the back. And I'm just like, 
Fuck. I've been away for a couple of years. I, I thought this was all behind me and now the very worst thing of why yeah. I had come about. So they take me to the East Perth locker, mm. lock me in a room, and then the detective comes in and you know, they're quite firm and they're shuffling me in as if I was going to run away or something. Um, they're a big guy, so I wasn't going to do anything. Uh, and then I said, okay, I want you, you got to call John Dawkins. He's my local member. I want you to call him. And he's like, and it's like they're not calling John Dawkins. He's in Canberra. He's sitting in Parliament. He's the treasurer. Yeah. I said, well, you've got to call John Dawkins. He's my man. Um, yeah, I was, I was serious, but they just laughed. They thought that was really yeah. funny. So they left me there for another hour or so. But eventually, after ringing all the Navy bases and getting their way around and getting to Canberra, that John Dawkins came out of Parliament and said, I let the boy free. <laughs> and I walked out of that cell, that room, out of the East Perth lock- lockout, and I was still on the sidewalk, and I knew I was free for the yeah. first time in six years because I'd been in for four years. Yeah. So there wasn't any freedom in living in the Navy anyway because it's very controlled. Yeah. And I just stood there. I knew it was over. And, ah, oh, it was such a wonderful feeling to be able to remember. Right. Uh, real, you know, the contrast of one minute I'm heading off to Holsworth Prison and yeah. after all Forgot those years. Yeah, Yeah, and now I'm free. And so we went to the OBH and we had a counter lunch and we bought a jug of beer. <laughs> we raised the glass and, oh, my goodness. And the story went on a bit because they wouldn't give me my money because I had, I don't know what they call it, some sort of money that was all mine. Um, and I wrote to ask for it, you know, to say, yeah. like super, I suppose it was. Yeah. And they wouldn't give it to me. Mm. Da, da, da. Um, but once again, I got the uh, the right people on the case. And one day this check arrives in the mail for four and a half grand. And back in the day, they'd be like getting a 10 grand check today. Yeah. And this little boy's like, on the first plane to Kathmandu, I'm out of here. This is yeah. like everything a traveling lad would want is this yeah, yeah, big yeah. lump of coin. Um, so it all, mm. you know, and it, kept taking me that journey just kept taking me yeah uh, to many many places uh, which was awesome and did you continue nursing later on well it was interesting because I went to Nepal and walked over the Himalayas which was something I really wanted to do yeah and it was an amazing journey I spent weeks walking um, not organized not parkas and puffer jackets just pretty rough um, and I learned a lot about cold and that was phenomenal and I was in Asia and I was pretty hard up at times and out of money in Calcutta and trying to sell my broken camera to someone and all sorts of stories, great travel stories. And I came back um, to Perth eventually and, yeah, I redid my nursing. I got the most ticket so I could do some agency nursing. Yeah. Um, but I, I'd landed with some bohemian-type crew and it was the best house ever. At first I was unemployed and everyone was, um, but we combined all the pennies together and we always had parties, uh, music, dope, drinks, seven days a week. It was a great life. It was yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. Going to the markets, hitchhiking into town from Mozzie Park and just a really good time in my life. I'd come across people who were on the fringe and they were asking different questions. They yeah. Were seeing life in a different way. Mm. And I really resonated with it. I didn't know that was me. Yeah, I didn't know that's what what it was, what had been driving me away and out of the mainstream mm. to explore. So it was, it was super cool and lots of good memories there. We're in the anti nuke party and we do rallies and go out on boats when the American warships came in and I had a bit of extra verve there. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> and um, playing music and busking and 
dream mm. bands and just lots of fun. But then I did some nursing work, which was really good for me to feel the, that I got something from my time in the Navy, I suppose, some skills yes. um, that were transferable. Uh, so I did that for a while, but then I stopped all that. Yeah. Um, and where did I go? My goodness, I went and lived in the hills in Byron Bay for 10 years. I just went off the grid. Yeah. Which I really needed to do. And that was more of an existential journey, more of a journey into who am I? What's it about being a human being on this planet? Yeah. What's all this madness that everyone's doing, going to work and just working and stuff like that? Um, so I was very lucky that I got to live in the hills, ate really well, went to markets and learned to weave baskets and sell my wares and was juggling and doing a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. That wasn't really me, but it was. It, it became, you know, so that was pretty exciting. Um, and on the way, though, I was learning Reiki and I was doing yoga and meditation, sort of picking up and trying lots of other yeah. modalities, I suppose. Yes. And I went very far to the left, very, very far alternative. And yeah. then I had an incident happened um, where... A friend turned up, and he's a fellow who I met here from South Africa, a really good human being, what I call yeah. good, good deep values, good core values, very kind, uh, non-judgmental. I mm. love that in a human being. So it's, a, it's a difficult thing to achieve, I think, yeah. um, that really broad non-judgment. Um, and we were good friends here. We had a lot of good time. Anyway, he came up to visit, um, but he's quite a straight fellow. He's a town planner in Sydney, so a very mainstream fellow, but... I taught him to juggle and we'd had lots of good fun and the way my friends responded to his presence the the judgment and I don't know whether it was fear or just that you're not hip enough you're not alternative enough so you're not in the clique. Yeah. it really that was one thing that landed and hit me I thought yeah. you, you don't know this you're missing out this guy's amazing guy yeah he, he's such value to be around he's so intelligent he's he's a deep human being and because of his look, you're just brushing him aside. And you're meant to be spiritually deep, you know, people. people. Yeah. yeah. And that was a turning point again. That was another mm. little nexus moment that moved me out of there and mm. heading back over this way again. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty fascinating. Superb. So tell me about HeartMath. Um, for people who don't know about HeartMath, um, well... Work's become quite popular with people like Joe Dispenza and and Greg Braddon and yep. you know people like that. But give us give us an insight. Yeah. Well, first we have to explain at a bigger level. Yeah, that it comes from America, so they don't say maths over there. Yeah. They say math. That's always catches people out. Great. And and the way you talk about it is you think of the heart and math. So you've got the science of the heart. That's probably a nice overreaching mm. understanding of the the title. But the Heart Math Institute is. Uh, double-barreled it's a research-based institute in in california but also a practice-based institute mm. with technology and in a nutshell what they've explored is the the physiology and we're talking about the physical heart yes it does roll out from there obviously but they've really um their research which is probably 30 years old now so this isn't new i mean it's new mm. Paradigms take a while to change, so yeah. it's new in one way, but this has been around for a while. So the research started looking at the heart, the electromagnetic field of the heart, and the rhythms of the heart, what happens in the body. Mm. So to keep it simple, 
the heart beats, and we used to think that the heartbeat was metronomic. It was like a metronome. So if yeah. you had a heartbeat of, say, 60 beats a minute, every second your heart beats. Boom, boom, boom. And this was thought for a long time until people started looking a bit closer at the heartbeat. And they started measuring the pairs of heartbeat, the time between each pair of heartbeats. Right. So the first heart pair of heartbeats might be 0.8 of a second. Yes. And the next pair of heartbeats might be one second. Yeah. And the next might be 0.9. So we, we noticed that each pair of heartbeats had a different time interval. Yeah. And that time interval created a heart rhythm. Mm. Now, this heartbeat, so the heart is responding to information collected from the body, from the two branches of the autonomic nervous system, mm. from the parasympathetic or the brake, the thing that slows you down and gets you yep. to sleep, or the sympathetic or the accelerator, which gets you up and going. Yep. So all this information actually comes through the heart before it goes up to the brain. Mm. And what was found was that, contrary to what you think, is the more irregular that heart rate variability, the more variance in the heart rate variability, yeah. the more variance, the healthier you are. Right. And I'm not talking about a pathology like an arrhythmia when it's really out of order. Yeah. I'm talking about little beat-to-beat -beat changes that are quite different. And one way of looking at it is that when you need to run up the stairs to get something, mm. your heart rate has to increase quite quickly. Yes. Yeah. You've suddenly demanded that into action, off we go, yeah. sit on the chair. Oh, I left my, my iPhone upstairs, I better dash up and get it. Like, yeah. yeah, so it needs to suddenly be able to beat quite quickly. It has to respond quickly. So good variability is good because it can suddenly go, up we go. Yeah. And then when you get up there, you don't want to be standing there. <laughs> so it needs to settle down nicely as well. So when the heart becomes metronomic, it, it, it doesn't have the resilience, it doesn't have the ability to shift gears really quickly. Yeah. And what they've found uh, in thousands of studies of this now is that the heart rate variability is a, a great predictor of uh, cardiac arrest. Right. So as you're heading towards having your heart attack, yeah. your heart rate variability starts to get more even and smooth out. Right. And they've even found that heart rate variability is a great measure of all-cause mortality. So what that means... All-cause... Mortality, death. Right. Through all sorts. Yes. So heart rate variability is a great predictor of health and well-being. That's right. what that's really saying. And So this is having a slightly irregular heart. Well, it's not irregular. Well, it's yeah. actually regular within its framework so yeah. it's it's meant to be like that yes um, and it doesn't matter if you've got a fast heart rate if mm. you're what's called tachycardic yep or a slow heart rate bradycardic it's not about the speed of the heart it's about the variability of the time frame between each, each beat. beat because that what that change in the in the time frame does it creates a rhythm and yeah. with that change in rhythm, we can see that it's what we call incoherent rhythm, yeah. meaning it's, it's jagged and spiky, or it's coherent. Yes. So heart math are talking about a state called coherence. Right. And a great way to understand the analogy of coherence for the heart and other ways, there's a few simple ways of thinking of coherence. So when, you're, when you've had a few too many drinks... Mm. you tend to have incoherent conversations. They don't make so much sense. They top yeah. and tail. Whereas if you're doing a TED Talk, ideally you've got a really coherent conversation going. Yeah. It all ties together. It makes sense and meaning. Mm. Another way of looking at coherence is that 
an incandescent light bulb is quite incoherent. It's not very effective. The light waves are sort of short and long and, and quite diffused. Mm. Whereas a laser, you can shine a laser onto the moon from Earth. Yes. Because the light waves are very coherent. So it's the same with the heart. When we have a, co- a, a coherent heartbeat, the whole system... The mind, the emotions, the body, and the spirit, if you want to go further, are yeah. in balance. Right. So a good example of why you would want to be coherent rather than relaxed is that if you were a paramedic, let's use the example of me being a yeah. paramedic, and I turn at a multiple car crash, and there's bodies everywhere, there's noise and sound. and yeah. Now, if I just rush in and start running around everywhere, I'm not going to serve very well. I'm going to miss mm. things. There might be someone that just needs turning on their side to get an airway going. Mm. And I'm there's someone bleeding and I'm spending time there and it's just a superficial cut. Yes. But if I'm coherent, I can stop. I'm calm, I'm centered, but I'm in action. I'm not yeah. I'm not sleepy. It's not, not sleepy. Not less so fair at all. In fact, the opposite. It's like it's like a Zen master, a, a karate yeah. master. You know, they stand but they can respond very quickly. Yeah. And so then I can assess. I can take in, and then my implicit knowledge, my knowledge of my skill can come to the fore and I can move around. And a lot of doctors and nurses are using this tool for that very reason because Mm. the work is so stressful. And it's quite different, uh, as the HeartMath Institute has found out, to relaxation. So relaxation is where we bring on actively the parasympathetic nervous system. We we want to relax. We need to relax. Yeah, slow down, trance out. The challenge with that is that when you're sitting there on the couch in your lovely yoga pose, doing your meditation, it's quite often that the mind can ruminate. You can round and round with the thoughts, oh, I shouldn't be thinking, and you start coming critical Mm. with your thinking. And interestingly, that causes a lot of cortisol in the body. And cortisol, necessary in a very little amount, but too much is a big problem for us, especially today. There's a, a pandemic of too much cortisol in people. It causes yep. diabetes, it causes obesity, it causes heart disease, cortisol not very All the friendly. stuff we see frequently in paper. Absolutely. Clogging up the health system. Yeah, and it's as simple as understanding how do I lower my cortisol. We need cortisol to get out of bed in the morning. Yeah. You want to get up and going, very good. Certain times to have cortisol. But the other thing that I find interesting about the cortisol epidemic is it sort of ties into the psychoses that I see in society today because when we've got What's lots that? of well when we've got lots of cortisol in the body it's telling the body danger that's what cortisol is about hmm. so the fight flight freeze mechanism which most people know about that um, keeps us alive you know it's the prime directive if you like if we're dead there's no point worrying about anything no. so the body's sort of hardwired to look for danger everywhere and then respond Uh, when there's danger the cortisol helps us respond gets the body motivated Uh, we're in that very narrow focus so we're not thinking about grandma or having cookies where how do I get out of here do I run do I fight do I stand really still yeah and we're in the the very core of our brain the limbic part of the brain and so our thinking isn't very broad we don't think outside of the box we don't have solutions except for immediate survival solutions Mm. And the challenge today with everyone, or lots of people with lots of cortisol on board, is that's how they're living their lives. Modus operandi, yeah. Exactly. And so when they've got a problem, or say someone doesn't phone them back, they take offence, and they get pretty riled up, and they're not seeing the bigger picture. Mm. Whereas conversely, when you activate the parasympathetic nervous system, when you... Uh, 
have a more heart-based approach, if you like, and especially a more kind approach, you actually get out of the fight flight and you activate the neocortex, the front of the brain. Mm. Where all the great stuff and creativity go. Exactly. This is the, the thinking self. This is the part that can think into the future. This mm. is the part that says, oh, maybe there's something I don't know. Yeah. What a great phrase. Just get curious. Oh, maybe they lost their phone. Maybe it got flat battery. Maybe the kids got... A hundred maybes that stop that ramping up of the judgment mm. and the hardness. And so if, we, if we're not in there, we're in the other. And yeah. they're very different worlds that you live in. And it's, it's literally a neural soup. We got cortisol, or have we got the opposite of cortisol? Mm. So the opposite of cortisol is something called DHEA or dehydroepiandrosterone, the yes. longevity, the vitality hormone. Yes. As we age, we naturally have less and yep. we have more cortisol, and we didn't know that we could actually change these hormones ourselves. And this is a huge breakthrough. If you imagine, because normally you say, "Oh, give me the pill, give me the, give me the, the tab." Oh, yeah. Let Big Pharma get on board and let's get the anti-cortisol oh, yeah. tabs going. Let's abdicate responsibility. Absolutely. But there's an, an endogenous method. So endogenous meaning we can create it within ourselves mm. of lowering cortisol and raising DHEA in one minute and then progressively with practice more consistently over a few weeks. Yeah. And the way you, you want to see DHEA is that when you're a little person, so when you walk to the shop, mm. You skip, you hop up on the wall, you walk backwards, you do a little bit of hopscotch, you pick up a stone, you look at a flower. Yeah. As you age, not for you personally, Bryn, but as people age, they find the most effective and efficient way to walk to the shop and back. Yes. It's just a job to get done. Yeah. And reality is happening all around them in its magnificent splendor. It's Mm -hmm. unbelievable organization power to make it all happen and they're just walking straight past Past it, it. get the newspaper to get some good news and head home and read. Um, Sorry, that's a bit cynical. Um, Yeah, some good news. Yeah. So (laughs) the newspaper. The DHEA is what you want. And they what happens with DHEA and cortisol is they all come from the same protein. Yeah. So when you wake up in the morning, you've got a little package and it's either going to turn into cortisol or it's going to turn into DHEA. Right. So when you're irritated, frustrated, angry this, this is within minutes of waking up well this Seconds. is what we all have to start the day with yes yeah. your neural soup for the day it's your little your package for the day if you like mm. so when you're stressed when you're when you're when you've got background anxiety depression um you're judgmental you're hard and you've got all that psychological stuff going on guess what it turns into mm-hmm. <laughs> it's pretty obvious it's cortisol and yeah. so the reality you see is is a survival mode reality it's a very different sort of glasses that you're wearing, if you like, and you see the world through that. And so obviously with the amygdala, the other part of the brain that does pattern recognition for survival, it will see what it wants to see in line with that. Oh, yeah. So if you're, if you, if you're entering the world with threats, you're just going to see threats. And, and, and it will look shit. Of course yeah. it does. Conversely, you put on the rose-colored glasses, which are the DHEA glasses. If you, mm. if you get up and you're, you stop and you... Be grateful for being alive, like just the basics of being alive, regardless, you know, um, or more and more and more. You look around and realize you've got water, you've got access to clean water because you've got your water filter on your tap, and you've got, you know, all these millions of things. If you can really authentically tap into that emotion, that feeling, that actually changes the neurology. It changes yeah. which part of the brain, and then the neocortex yeah. on board, and then life is like, woohoo! Boom! Yeah. And so what sort of day do you have when you go out with that? How do you see the world? How do you see the day? (laughs) And so 
it goes back to heart math now. We're coming back that there's very simple, not simplistic, but simple techniques yep. that are empirically validated. And by that, I mean we can mm. scientifically show and measure, test and measure the results uh, to get yourself into a coherent state. Yeah. And the advantage of that is if I have to have a conversation, if I have to come and do a podcast, I don't want to turn up all flustered when I'm meant to be the relaxation king. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to be all self-conscious and in my fear for what will everyone think of me fight flight mode. I want to arrive as Willow. I want to be me. Yeah. Because the more turn we can up. be me, the less stress we have because our core values are about being ourselves. Mm. If we can be ourselves, then job done. But m- most of us struggle because of all the challenges of the paradigm we live in. So if I get coherent by doing these very simple exercises then I can generally arrive in the state that I want and move forward in a more positive and productive manner. And I can yeah. offer more of myself and be more successful. Um, we, we suggest that people even getting into the traffic. You yeah. can drive into the traffic and you can be like a lot of people, get very stressed, very aggressive. Uh, it's me, 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 get out the way. I've, I'm late. I'm late, I've got to be there. I'm so important. Yes. I'm more important than every other person on the road. And there seems to be that mindset. I've seen it since I've come back from being away. That The yeah. traffic's got a bit more tight. Or I can go more coherent and let some people in because it feels really good when you can see someone's stuck on the side trying to get yeah. in. and Do a kind thing. Yeah, and slow down. And the traffic sometimes just opens up and you find all the green lights and you find yourself on the flow. Mm. Coherence is a nice thing. And it doesn't solve all the problems. Life is difficult. Life is hard. I, I, you know, mm. I, I strongly believe that we need to understand that life is difficult and that's where we need our kindness. That's where we need to have self-kindness. A mm. um, great way to be kind to yourself is to get coherent. Yeah. So the way to get coherent is literally to stop first. Yeah. Because we're on the move. And if we're on the move, we're not here. Yeah. We're thinking of the next thing and the next when thing. When you say stop, do you mean physically stop, mentally stop, emotionally stop? Or all of the above? Sometimes all of the above, just for a minute. Yeah. It can really make the difference. If you find yourself tripping over your bag, going out the door and you've left the phone on the table and you spill the water bottle and you're like, oh my goodness, that'd be a physical stop. Yeah. <laughs> Take a breath. But generally uh, a stopping inside. There's a mm. way you can be on the move and just stop. Sort of bringing yourself to where you are, not to where you're going. Mm. So, and a good way to do that is mindfulness, obviously. You know, I can, I can hear this sound, I can see you, I can feel my bum on the chair, I'm becoming more present already, I'm here. Yeah. So a little bit of mindfulness, I mean, you can go right into mindfulness and see the benefits, and again, well validated. Um, but I think kind mindfulness is more necessary to say... What do you mean by that? Well, there's a great institute called the, the Centre for Mindful, uh, Mindful Self-Compassion. And what it means is that, you know, mindfulness is great, becoming present, but this journey is difficult. Ask anyone and they'll say, yeah, some Mm. days are really hard and this has happened and this has happened and I don't know where things are going with all these mad people on Facebook all the time and blah, 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 blah. So we realise that and that's that's where we need some kindness, some care. Mm. And luckily, we're hardwired for care. And this is something most people don't quite get. As well as spotting threats. Yeah. So the spotting threat thing is obviously the limbic, the most reptilian, the most basic survival mechanism. Yes. But as we evolved into being mammals, another system was magically uh, created by whatever created us and it. And it's a system that's called the mammalian caregiving system. 
Right. And so it's an evolved system. It's evolved beyond the fight, flight, freeze mechanism. And always good to go to an evolved system, I think. And this one mm. proves itself quite nicely. So when mammals are born, they're generally immature. They're not quite ready, <laughs> especially humans, because yeah, yeah. They, they can't stay inside that long. They're too small, they yeah. get too big. So this mechanism was devised to keep the young close and safe, and they would stay until they're mm. mature enough. And the mechanism is very simple. So if you think of a mother and its child... And there's a two strong factors that happen, and it's the soothing vocal tones, very soft, kind voice. Yes. Hey, it's okay. Never mind. That's okay. We'll get through. Yep. And soft touch, soothing touch. Right. So if you imagine someone just rubs your back a little bit gently when you've when you've had a fall or a hard time, you, yep. know, you often see someone almost it better. intuitively do that. Or if you put your hand on your heart, on the centre of your chest, and just for a second you feel it yourself. And there's a warmth there, there's a softness, or so the heart and the body recognises that yeah. and activates the mammalian caregiving system. And what that system does inside, which was necessary, was it's a response. So the child has to have a response to that soothing touch yes. and that soft vocal tones, otherwise it wouldn't do anything. Yeah. And what it does, in the child it releases oxytocin, right. which is a bonding chemical, yes. a hormone. That we know it for the... the, the yeah. And also it releases opioids... Mm -hmm. in the body so that's a pain relief yeah and the pain we're talking about can be emotional pain as much as anything else and it activates the parasympathetic nervous system the relaxation response yeah so there you are soft vocal tones soothing touch and the other person the other being is like oh this is nice where do you go are you going away no you're coming close you're staying close interestingly that that system it's fascinating it is it's and it's so basic it's hardwired in us Mm. but what we've noticed is that for some reason we seem with ourselves to be the opposite of that. We're very critical. We're very yes. hard. So what's happened is, and this is really interesting for me in the science side, is that that self-criticism, that, oh, come on, you're just not good enough, see? Yeah. And come on, come on why aren't you the best version of yourself now? You know, you're still in this scrotty flat and you should be in the Mercedes driving with all the people loving you up and everything and you haven't got there and on and on this critical, oh, there you are, you're fucked up again, see? Yeah. That criticism activates the threat defense system. Hmm. So the self-criticism has become an attack on our self. So nowadays we're not so in danger of tigers and lions and things. But we're, our self. In fact, if you look at it critically, we're in danger of very, very little. Very little. Very few people face danger on the day to day level. Yeah, yeah. So that system's almost becoming obsolete in some levels. Oh, yes, but what we've it? done is turn it into on ourselves. Yes. And the threat is our self-image. We're attacking ourselves. And you know, fair call. It's it's got your best interest at heart. Mm. You know, trying to look after you, but it's not very helpful or, or sustainable because what happens is in that self-criticism, cortisol is produced in your mm-hmm. body. You narrow your viewpoint. Yeah. You know, you never think about your finances when you're having a shit day. Why is that? Because they look shit. Yeah. <laughs> when you're feeling really bad on yourself and giving yeah. yourself, you don't go and look at your bank account because no. it's going to be the worst thing. But if you're feeling really good, generally the bank account's like it is. 
It is like it is, because you can have a, oh, well, I'm further down the track. Oh, I was worse last year, or lots of Mm. options. And, you know, you can see the difference between the two brains that are operating. Yes. And so the advantage um, of the mammalian caregiving system is that instead of that hard driving criticism to motivate, we motivate ourselves with love. Because motivating ourselves with fear, which is what the self-criticism is doing, oh, you know, if you don't get out for a run, you're going to get fat and die. Oh, shit, I better go for a run. And that's not the best way to motivate yes. someone. Whereas the self-kindness would be like, oh, you know, you get healthy, that'll be really good for you. You know, you'll be able to feel better in yourself. And, mm. oh, yeah, I might... Yeah, towards rather than away from. Exactly. Yeah. And what we find that the motivation from kindness is so much more sustainable. Yes. So we, we acknowledge where we're at. Oh, you're having some trouble there. Yeah. And this is what I really like with the self-kindness model and especially Mm. mindful self-compassion. It has three elements. The first element is to acknowledge that you're suffering. Don't fool yourself. Yeah. Yep, I'm having a hard time. Yeah. And then we get real. WA real, we get real. Here I am, I'm having a hard time. Yes. Oh, but spirit, no, I'm suffering. And you can use the word suffering. If that doesn't work for you, say, I'm struggling, um, I'm irritated, I'm frustrated, whatever those words. So you say where you're at. Second step, which is I love as well, having been on the outside for so long, is they call it the shared humanity. So it's like, I'm sure a lot of people must be going through something like this. So there's 8 billion people on the planet. Our minds can't even get close to understanding that amount of um, people. But guaranteed today on the planet, there'll be a few hundred million people going through something similar. Yes. Oh. How's that feel now? Not, you're yeah. not on the outside. You're not in your little head in your room yeah. in the corner, the only one on the planet. I'm not the only dickhead on the planet. Exactly. Say you did something really dumb. Guarantee there's a swath of people that have done something dumb today and yeah. feeling... Yeah, normal, dumber. <laughs> and maybe even dumber. And, and feeling the same feelings because these feelings are pretty generic across the human race. Yeah. They found that out. Oh, okay. I'm suffering. It's human to suffer. You know, it's human to mm. feel this. That makes me feel better already. Yeah. And then the last thing is, what do I need? What do I need to hear just now? Mm. So maybe it's just some kindness. It's okay. It, you know, this will pass. This too will pass, as the, yeah. the sages say. Or be kind to yourself, Willow. You know, you don't coming down on you is not going to help. What, what can what we can do to make it better? Mm. Or you know, this doesn't. Uh, this isn't who you are. It's just happened. Oh, you know, there's always something. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're choosing to use kindness and love to motivate. And for some reason, people seem to think, oh, I'll get all soft. I'll be yeah. a pussy. I won't, yeah. I won't reach the mark. I won't I'll, get to the... I'll the, get shit done. Yeah, I'll, I'll drop my standards. Yeah. The research clearly shows yes. that people who are very good at self-kindness set the benchmark a lot higher. Yeah. The reason they set it higher is because they know they're not going to give themselves a hard time if they don't make it. Yes. So if you set the bench high and you're uh, uh, high and you're a very critical person, mm. you, you might not go for that height because what if you don't make it? What if something happens? What if you're not good enough? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, bang, bang, down comes that critical voice and the collapse and all the mm. horrible cortisol feelings and judgment and criticism and that little mind. Whereas yeah. if you're kind it's like oh maybe i set the, the bench a bit higher or oh, maybe there's another way of doing this oh, never mind that's all right at least you had a go mm. oh good on you for getting up and out oh that's nice yeah and and the other side of it is that you know we often think that 
being kind to ourselves and soft and compassionate and caring, um, we'll fall into self-pity and, yes. and, and self-indulgence. Yes, eternal navel gazing. Yeah. But we look at the research, and once again, there's a clear line of what happens. So I love the example that self-pity, self-indulgence, you'd eat the whole tub of ice cream. you sit on the couch and eat the whole tub. Self-care, you might just have a little cup of ice cream. Oh, yeah. Because you know too much is not good. Yeah. So you do health-oriented things. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Self-care would be, I might go for a walk along the beach and have a break. I might have a cup of tea with my friend rather than sit here on my own. Yes. Self-indulgence would be, I'll vomit this to everyone on Facebook and, oh, poor me, look at me. Yes. So there's a very clear line between self-care, self-kindness, self-compassion and self-pity and self-indulgence. From the... Judge, hardcore judgment into the self-care into the self-pity yeah. it's like a slider yeah. almost and it's it? really easy to see where you are which is great you know, I've got the pity party where yeah, you yeah, put yeah. your little flag up in your little yard and you scoff yeah, all your ice cream me, the world. Yeah. or it's like what do I need well we have a little bit of ice cream because that makes me feel really good you know, it activates that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that little part of me. And, and I'm healthy enough that I can... If I can't have a bit of ice cream, then I might as well be dead. Who cares yeah. <laughs> for what it gives me? Yes. Um, for me, it's milk and cookies. Yeah. Really, milk and biscuit, icy cold cup of milk, and a nice cookie. Oh, it's like a drug. I mean, yeah. It is a drug, we know, but it's a great yeah. soother when I'm trying. So, so all this, the self-care, the self-regulation, that all stems back to this heart coherence yeah these are techniques that we are consciously using within our inner world within our our our, the way we um you know appraise the world the way we choose to um splash meaning onto the world because the world is inherently neutral yes um (laughs) absolutely i'm glad you said that (laughs) yeah the world is inherently neutral it's us that paint the paint the meaning upon it so in all of that, these techniques in how to paint our reality, and some may say, oh, but that's just tricking yourself, but you're doing it every day, all day anyway. Yeah, so nice you're one. just becoming more conscious about it rather than abdicating that to the outside world, the outside elements and aspects of yourself deep down that are driving the bus that you don't want to face. Absolutely. So all this then you're saying comes back to... Um, bringing about a state of heart coherence. Yeah. And I've gone off track a little bit. I haven't because it's the track that my heart has taken me. Yeah. So when I started doing this coherence work, building, this is like exercise. It's like having a shower. Yeah. You get up in the morning, you can do a five-minute practice. Yes. It changes your uh, hormones. Mm. It changes your, your whole system, the whole way you're seeing the world. And it's accumulative. Yes. Which is really cool. So every minute, every five minute, every 20 minute session you're doing, yeah. you're, you're changing your baseline. Yes. And this has been really well researched. And like you would do if you went and did cardio. Exactly. So when you start exercise, you know, you're, you're not up for much. Six months later, we can see the loads. change. It's the same with... And, and um, exercise is really interesting because a lot of people will be wearing heart rate monitors and things like that. Yeah. <clears throat> and they'll just see oh my heart rate stayed at 120 so they'll think it's like 120 120 120 but you're saying there's more to it it's how the heart the rhythm is bit yeah because that that 120 really is an average then isn't it well it it is and again all that that's like a gross measure of the heart yeah gross average and how many people have you heard of i mean i've heard of them so fit people just dropping dead yep he's like oh but he was all fit and running Mm. but if you look at his heart rate variability you'll see that 
maybe he was quite a critical, irritated type yeah. person, an A type, a real driver, mm. and that's what which drove him into being such a fitness fit freak. dude. Yeah, 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 and so for all the wrong reasons, for all the wrong reasons. Whoa, that's really interesting. It's not the right reasons because that's I really think interesting. Um, the good thing with coherence is that it's not the magic pill, mm. but what it does is by bringing your body into balance. Yes, when when the heart rhythm's smooth and balanced, basically the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system are mm. operating smoothly. They're not yeah. fighting each other. Yes, so you've got less cortisol, you've got more DHEA, you've got better brain function, you're seeing things yeah. differently. And more then that alert, can not over alert. Yeah, and that yeah. can lead you in very different directions. And mm. with HeartMath, there's tools and techniques that we've used, uh, my partner and I, Catherine, and have taught to many people, and this has been taught globally to tens of thousands of people, that you can actually start to access the wisdom of the heart. Now, what do you mean by that? Yeah. Because this has turned up in a number of podcasts now. Oh, okay. So this can sound a bit woo-woo on one hand, yeah. the wisdom of the heart. What do you mean those sounds? All the heart soft has a stack of neurons, doesn't it? It, it does. They're, is, called, they're called neurites. It has yeah. 50,000, which are very similar to neurons. Yeah. So and, and for those uninitiated, listen to this. Neurons are the stuff that we have in our brain that's yeah. firing and wiring and, and, and creating patterns and all of this stuff so in effect the same kit is all down in the heart yep and if i'm right they're in the gut too but we're focusing yes, on the heart they are in the gut as well yes the neurons are, are scattered throughout yes uh, which so is neurons are not just the realm of the brain yeah so nowadays through the research of the heart math institute uh we sort of see the heart brain as one thing mm. so the heart has its own brain it self-regulates yeah most people don't know that the heart starts beating in a fetus before there's brain rhythms. Yes. Now, if you think about that for a second, mm. so the heart's, well, what's telling the heart to beat? Yes. It's not the brain. The heart's telling the heart to beat. Yes. So the heart regulates its own beat. It doesn't come from the brain. Yeah. They've known since the late 1800s, there's more information travels from the heart to the brain than the brain to the heart. Yeah. Up and down, what's the nerve? The vagus nerve. The vagus nerve. And this is why we look at the rhythm coming from the heart. Uh, so also the heart produces its own hormones. Yep. It's part of the hormone system now. Uh, but what's interesting about the way the heart sends information to the brain, mm. and this is sort of the, the crux of it, if you like. Yes. So when we feel, let's just say we feel a bit irritated mm -hmm. or a bit pissed off, Yes. the heart rhythm changes. Yeah. Okay? It gets quite erratic. That the the rhythm going up to the brain, it's like Morse code, so it's like an SOS yeah. up the vagus. So the brain gets that. The thalamus or thalmi, there's two in the brain. Yes. They're like the switchboard operator. They get the message from the heart. They go, oh, danger, mm. SOS. Yeah. Gets the leads and plugs them into the limbic brain, fight, yeah. flight, survival. Yeah. Get the cortisol going. Stay down. We're going to get through here. Yeah. Conversely. Mm -hmm. When we feel loving, grateful, appreciative, compassionate, literally mm -hmm. these feelings, these ephemeral things that we never really wanted to talk about in science. Yes. When we actually get hold of them. Because they're not logical and they're not right. left brain. And too ephemeral. We, we can't, we we can't, can't log them down and measure them. Quantify them, yeah. Well, now we can. 
Yes. And we can, with such accuracy, we can predict things, which yes. is amazing. But uh, so when we feel these feelings, these random, you can just think of it to get the generating of the feeling going. Mm. The rhythm changes in the heart. That little beat to beat changes, create mm-hmm. a different rhythm. It goes up to the brain and the thalamus goes, oh, it's safe. safe so when i'm safe i unplug from the fight flight center and plug in the neocortex yes and now boom time i'm a human i'm safe i'm i can think i can expand i can explore i can all sorts of things i can think of the other yep the other you know i can take the significance out a bit it's not so important yes oh what a relief and that's what we're talking about with using emotions that are real, they're not just uh, lightweight. When mm. I say in my training, when I'm training someone, you know, consider someone or something that you feel grateful for. Yeah. And it might just be, oh, I went down south last weekend and um, Jane, she made this lovely barbecue for everyone. It was so kind. And you tap into that. Then you don't even need that, that image anymore. You've got the feeling. You know yes. what that feeling is. Then you amplify that. Just hold the feeling. Yep, with some slow heart-focused breathing. Yeah. Heart-focused breathing literally just means you focus on your heart. It's got a brain. It knows you're focusing. And you imagine the breath coming in and out through the heart. You can do whatever style of breathing. Yeah. But you're imagining this. And you've slowed your breath down. For years, yep. people have done breath work because mm. it works. Mm. It activates the parasympathetic nervous system. Activates yep. the brake. Helps us slow down. But you slow, you know, it could be five in and five out, four in and four out, whatever you're comfortable with. And if you just hold that for a while with enough discipline, if you like, or enough focus for a few minutes, mm. within a minute or two, your cortisol drops. Yeah. You plug into the neocortex. Yeah. Now, in this state of coherence, which we can measure on our laptop with the devices, the biofeedback we've got. Yeah. Then, say you've got a challenge that you've got on. There's something yeah. and you're, you're, you're vacillating. Yeah. Vacillating, maintaining. You're procrastinating. Yeah, yeah. Should I take... I'll use a good example. I had my car. I had to go into the mechanics to get it fixed. Um, Mm. It's it's three monthly, four monthly thing. I needed the car on that day. It was pissing down rain, but I I told the guy I was bringing it in. I'm a man of my word, so... Mm -hmm. And so I get up in the morning and I could feel the anxiety. I don't really want to do this, but I really got to look after the car. It sounds really inane, but these sorts of... Oh, but we go through this shit every day. Thank you. Exactly. How many times? Ad infinitum. It's, fucking, it's constant. Fucking like hundreds, thousands of and times. Stress, moment to moment. That stress is what's killing us. That's yes. what's causing our... Slow, steady death. Decay. Um, yeah. So in this situation, um, do I take it in? Do I not? Do I ring? Do I not just... And it's raining and I have to get back from there on the bus and, and all these things. So my partner said, oh, well, I do, do what's called a freeze frame. So what a freeze frame is using the coherence, getting coherent, yes, which is what we've been talking about, activating the heart's intelligence, basically. Yeah. And the heart's intelligence is that the heart is picking up data from all around. You know, yeah. now we're getting a bit broader now. Yeah. We can talk about electromagnetic fields that are measurable. We're ask about this. We're not yeah. talking about auras. We're talking about just yes. like what comes off a generator or uh, a power cord. There's a, a field yes. that's generated. The heart's one's 100 times stronger than the brain. Yeah. There's a big... Circle. Big circle outside the body. The brain, so you can measure like the electromagnetic field one inch, or what's that, 2.5 centimetres. The yeah. heart, a few metres from the body. I know. Yeah. So who's in charge? What's going on here? Oh, yeah. Anyway, so... Who's the boss? Yeah, so we know this, this, this faculty's there. So the way to use this is what I did on this particular day. I stopped. Yep. Everything, right. I did some heart-focused breathing. 
I generated the positive emotion, the gratitude. Mm. And for me, it's very easy. I'm very, I've lived some rough parts in my life. So yeah. I always can do the opposite. Yes. I've got a house. I live in a house, not on the sidewalk. Yeah. Oh, how grateful for that. Something as simple as that yeah. for me. Because you experience the other. Yeah. So then I can feel, I'm lucky I had my tech. I could get in the green, what we call getting in the green on the biofeedback device. I know I'm now coherent. That's the advantage of the biofeedback. You're not fooling yourself. Yes. You're not pretending. Oh, and this I'm is what I like. Yeah. This is what I like about it because it's not just some, well, I felt like I was in a really woo, chill state. No. No. You can. Are you or not? Freaking measure yeah. it. Yeah. And that's. Like, again, like you can, are you, are you putting the cardio work, again, go back to the heart, but it's, did you put the cardio work in on the treadmill? Yes. Because you can see what the Garmin told you. Very good. Yeah. And that's, this is what I like about this work because it takes the woo-woo out. Yeah. I mean, it's super woo-woo because we, we start to go a lot further than the basics. But at the basic level, yes. we can say, are you in cardiac coherence? Yes. Do you have cortical facilitation? Yes. Or are you incoherent? Yeah. Are you cortically inhibited? Yes. Which means my brain's not firing well. I'm all over the place. I can hardly throw a sentence together. Yeah. Or have I got great cortical facilitation, which means the words are coming. I talk eloquently in the middle of this. Exactly. So here I am. I'm nice and coherent. I've stopped, I've got and then I literally, and you can do this in whatever way works for you, because it's personalized, is I ask my, my heart, I say, what's the best way to move forward with this situation? Yes. Now it knows before I ask what I'm talking about, because yeah. the heart is me and I'm the heart. And it, the feeling, I'm a bit of a slow learner. My partner gets this really sharp. She'll yeah. get like the voice, the download. Willow's a bit, I'm very kinesthetic, which means I'm feeling oriented. Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's like gnosis, a knowing will come. But sometimes yes. there's a bit of a, and it was like, just wait. Just wait. Okay. And that's often the way. Often that is yeah. a great solution. Just yeah. wait a moment. So I waited. And then the phone rang. And the mechanic said, oh, you don't bring in the car in today. I can't fit you in. Something's come up. <laughs> and I'm like, my goodness. Because I would have gone there and left my car there. Because yeah. I, I do it early. I would have hopped on the bus and come home. Yeah. Then he would have rang me yeah. and told me he couldn't do it. I would have to go back again, back on the bus. get the car, come back, and then I'd still have to do the whole process again next week. And how pissed off would you be? Well, exactly. Like next level. And I stopped. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And that was a really good example of heart intelligence because mm. the heart has access to the field. Yes. This is what we're learning. So the electromagnetic you say the field... field well, this is where we go a bit further that... Um, this is where you go further down the rabbit hole. Exactly. Um, oh, how can I put this really simply? We're not, we're not just stuck inside our little bodies. No. It seems that we're not just existing in this little mind inside this little body. That yeah. we're a lot more than our physical bodies. Mm. And it seems from a lot of talk, stories, empirically validated work that we can transcend our physical bodies. We can get knowledge from outside mm. without any direct, you know, maybe any direct contact with someone. How do we get this information? How's this data arriving? Mm. You know? And if you think of it as data, it's a nice yep. analogy. A data point. Yeah. And so it seems that the electromagnetic field of the earth that the Earth is a living thing producing a very mm -hmm. big electromagnetic field mm -hmm. and we're little electromagnetic fields living on the Earth. Yes. And that we actually communicate a lot more 
electromagnetically or on the wave, the electromagnetic carrier mm. wave, than we do um, physically. So again, what's found very clearly is that I'm picking up information from you because we're overlapping electromagnetically. We're sitting very close yes. to each other. So if I'm saying one thing, but I'm feeling another, I'm not talking about body language mm. or reading cues. If I'm saying, oh, everything's fine, and you're yes. like, oh, I'm getting a really funny feeling yeah. here. I don't believe you. Will. Yeah. Then when we look at my heart rate variability, you might see that I'm all over the shop, and then I say, well, actually, I'm da 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 da. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we know that we're, we're, we're tuning in. People get it. They walk into a room, and there's been an argument. They feel oh, it. Yeah. When you hear that, you know, you can cut a slice of it. <laughs> exactly. You can cut the room with a knife. <laughs> yes. And so what this is showing is that there's a lot more to us than the limited physical being. And we communicate mm. and we emanate. Mm. And we talk about emotional hygiene, my partner and I. Yeah. So doing your coherence work, it's like having a shower every day. Yes. You, you go out into the world. Now, do you want to go out vomiting your stuff all over the place? Yeah, and and spreading the turn virus up with, with with stinky feet and bo at work. You wouldn't do. You wouldn't no. have a, not have a shower. Yeah. Well, some people would. Or that's brush fine. Your teeth or yeah. Also, yeah. These basic uh, mores that we've learned that make mm. life a little smoother. And it's the same with the emotional stuff. If you have a big upset at home and then you walk to the office, mm. you're literally emanating that into the space. But basically, you can stop, reset yourself with mm. some coherence. See, this has been a recurring theme again in some very recent podcasts. Um, when I talked to uh, Richmond, who was the man who brought tremoring to um, Australia, and I spoke to a lovely lady called Lana Loxton, who does Vedic meditation. Both of them came back to this whole idea of cleaning out your nervous system. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and weeding and cleaning your nervous system because there's lots of knots and crap and, and dust and weed and shit in there that you've picked up along the way. But you're now taking this to the next level because before it was very much my nervous system that exists within my body yeah. that affects my perception of reality. Yeah. We're now going another step further, but it's going, it's not just me and my body and my perception of reality. It's also what I'm putting into the field. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the best studies that I love the most mm. that shows this clearer than anything using the empirically validated biofeedback. This is what I really like as okay. well. Is, so what they did, they got groups of eight, I think eight groups of four people. My stats might not be 100% right, mm. but this is the general thing. They had eight groups in different rooms of four people. Now, three of the people, everyone was wired up to the biofeedback device called the M-Wave that records yep. the heart rate variability. It shows us coherence and incoherence mm. and the changes that take place. So everyone was wired up. Now, three of the people could become coherent on call. They'd practiced and trained yep. and they could get themselves nice and coherent on call. The fourth person had no idea what was going on. He was yep. just told to come and sit in the room and hop on the chair. Hang out. And and hang out. Did they put yep. a thingy on it? Yep, he's wired up. Everyone's got like a little finger sensor or ear sensor. That's it. So at specific times, yeah. the three practicing, heart math practicing people were told to get coherent. So yep. they would sit, they'd, they'd do the breathing, they'd generate the positive emotion and get a coherent rhythm. Yeah. Interestingly, what do you think happened to the fourth guy? Oh, he was straight in. He became coherent. Yes. He had no practice, no training. His heart rhythm aligned with this. Yes. It's like when they uh, hit a tuning fork and all the tuning yeah. forks, or they swing a grandfather clocks or the metronomes in yeah. a room, and over time they'll all start to 
become coherent together. They'll all match each other. You see, to me, that that makes sense, for, even from a basic rapport basis. Because, you know, when we're in rapport with somebody, we you know we're, we're sitting and we're mimicking each yeah. other's yeah. body language and stuff like that. But that goes further. We, we actually start breathing at the same rate. Yeah. And, you you know, you learn in, in when I did NLP that you can then sort of lead the conversation. So if you build rapport with someone, then you can start sitting in a more relaxed fashion and they'll be in a more relaxed fashion as well. But now we're talking about it's not just breathing, we're now heart rate rapport. Yeah. And mm. the advantage of that is if I want to have a, a good group meeting or a good yeah. conversation, something that's really important yes. that I want to communicate with you, if we sit together and just do one or two minutes yeah. of, of getting coherent, doing the heart-focused breathing, mm. getting coherent, the quality of the conversation, mm. the, uh, the ability to hear really what's going on mm. rises right up. It's called coherent listening. Yes. And it's not just your old school... Um, That's when you start to open up. You open up. You open up mental and emotional spaciousness, so yeah. you can start to take on board different and interesting concepts without just rejecting them straight exactly. out the back. Exactly. Exactly. Not defensive. Yeah. Or not so defensive. Maybe yeah. you are a defensive person anyway, but maybe less. And again, I had a recent podcast guest who talked about. Um, she's a futurist, and she talks about the four levels of learning, and the, the fourth deepest one is where you're so open that you very easily see how someone's beliefs may or may not work for you and you can take them in and put them out very nice yeah yeah but yeah, that well, would be like a deep yeah sense of and, coherence and the advantage of that is that you can bring more harmony mm. in your communications it's not um us and them it's not that battle of the egos mm. the ego can separate and so generally the highest good can arise so mm. if we're coherent the heart wisdom can be heard and often what we found, I used a very uh, practical example of getting heart's wisdom, the freeze frame, but it can also be more abstract and it can be more felt. Yes. And generally what I've found that, say it's an interpersonal challenge and I do a freeze frame, we do this situation, and the heart, you can tell it's the heart rather than the mind through the tone and the style. So the mind is generally very full of words and a lot of carry on in yes. it, with its advice yes uh, endlessly chat and the heart tends to be quite simple yep. quite soft and there's always a win-win good for the one and all mm. even though it's your story or whatever it seems to time and again simple produce searing the, insight yep and often outside the box something that you just couldn't imagine mm. and you're like oh my goodness and there's the heart coherence, the intelligence of the heart, and the really seeing that this heart not only has its own brain, not only, uh, you know, it's, you can go really out there and say, is it the seat of the soul? Is this how we come through? If you're talking more metaphysical, um, well, I just think a, a cardiozoic age that we move into. Cardiozoic age. Yeah, this is a great term. So at the, we've been in a very cerebral age yes. for the last 200 years. You know, we, we, we got through, um, uh, I think, so. therefore I am. We, we went through this is solid. We look at atoms and we looked at the world in a very yeah. cerebral way. And so... Oh, yeah, yeah we segregated and, and identified and yeah. narrowed it down. Yeah. And, and we trashed everything that wasn't like that. 
like the indigenous cultures of the dream time oh, yeah. or the you know that wider gestalt the the yeah. the mystical the beyond the mind stuff the awe inspiring stuff yes. we sort of push most of that aside because it's not empirically it's validated we can't shit. measure it we can't yeah um, and in that we, we, there's a cold hardness has arrived Mm. You, know, you see it in conversations. You see it with people. You see the the prioritization of things. Lack of empathy in there, isn't there? Huge lack of empathy because it's not in the heart. Empathy yeah. comes from the heart. Yes. You know, it's in the head. So the cardiozoic is is the idea that we move back to our heart mm. and let the heart wisdom drive the show. Mm. Because imagine, and and someone pointed it out really well the other day is you know when there's love present, you you wouldn't rip people off you wouldn't bash people you wouldn't rob people you wouldn't do all these things if you're loving if yeah. you're coming from a true heart if you yeah. feel safe inside yourself if you feel safe inside yourself you don't need anything from anyone else mm. so you could actually listen to them you could be interested in them you could find out how you, you might be of service to them whereas when we're in our head in each conversation it's often well what about me and, and what this is my agenda and, and that, that'll get that's why we get all defensive and jumping in whereas mm. when we listen from the heart when you do this heart focused breathing staying there while you're in conversation you're getting a very different view of the world a different way of interacting with the world yes and that's what I talk, they talk uh, I think Greg Braden uh, coined that phrase cardiozoic but I love it because it's saying yeah. let's get to an age let's create an age from the heart but not the woo heart, not the soft heart. We can have the business heart where I say, no, yeah, there's the line. Yes. And my heart is really clear. I love you, but you got to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or I love you, but I, I, I'm not bending in on this one yeah. because yeah. I actually love me more. Yeah. Well, I love myself enough to know that this isn't good for this me. This is not good and for it's me. Not good for, if it's not good for me, it's not good for the one and all. And yeah. It's not just based so it could on... be perceived as being hard from the exterior, but if yes. you peel it back, it's actually, look, I've just been down this road. Yeah. Yeah, so the business heart is quite good. And there's a mm. lot of businessmen, I'm talking top CEOs, mm. who use this when they make decisions. Yes. Big decisions where millions of dollars are involved or many people's jobs are involved. In yeah. which direction do we go? So they stop, they get coherent, and they check in. And it's really clear. Well, who wouldn't want to you know, tap into... Yeah. Rather than being you know, something bigger... Rather than just being left on your own to your own devices in your own reptilian head, yeah. shitting yourself trying to work out the, the, the right way. The right. And we're going to be right. The right way. Wrong. Yeah. And if I don't, oh God, it's yeah, all going to come yeah. down. So it's not the best way to make decisions, yeah. so you can see. So this is always like, this is not just some woo. This is like a, unleashing another little superpower within yeah. you. Yeah. And, and it's seen and more and more this. with the more research, <laughs> yeah. uh, the more schools and organizations that are using yeah. this uh you know it's, it's literally in the tens of thousands so what i like about it is that we, we're coming back to the kindness there as well it's yeah. naturally heart oriented you don't it takes us full circle through the willow journey back to the willow journey of the kindness again awesome so you're a qualified heart math trainer yep and coach and, and coach Coach and mentor. Oh, yeah. The full gambit. The full gambit. <laughs> so who, who tends to be your clients? Okay. And what do they present? Are they organizations? Are they individuals? And yeah. What, 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 why do they, how do they get to you and what do they present? Yeah. Okay. So on one hand, uh, resilience is a great word. Yes. 
and there's a certain understanding about resilience and yeah. there's a new understanding of, about resilience. Yeah. And the heart math method of resilience, the training for that is is gold standard. It's really effective. Yeah. It's measurable uh, and very easy to communicate. Yeah. So we've done a lot of resilience training for organizations. So yes. they're realizing people are a bit stressed. They're not managing things well. There's a big staff turnover. They've got a culture. Yeah. Uh, so we can do some training. Anxiety that. pervades the culture and all those Hearts are going, yeah. and that's basically the virus. Full of, yeah, yeah. So, like a, yeah. you use the word virus, probably. Yeah. Oh, it is a virus. It's, it's 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 like gossip. It's a virus. Yeah, and it goes around. Gossip, and, drama, shit. Yeah. And shit emotions are the same. They, yeah, they spread around. Whereas you know, a positive emotion when someone comes in the room and they're all loving and kind, right? You're like, oh, I want a bit of that. Yeah. <laughs> What's he on today? Yeah. And let me sit next to him. Not sit next to that asshole. He's a yeah, grouchy old thing. Yeah. Oh, we've all been in dinner parties. Right? Yeah. Like, no, 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 <laughs> I'm no, no. Not no. sitting there. I'm not sitting Dad, next I'm to. Sitting next I'm to him. not sitting next to Downer Dave. Yeah. You know? But that's when you bring on your heart. If you are next to Downer Dave. Yeah. And you get coherent and then yeah. maybe bring on some compassion yeah. and see if you're a big enough person. Yeah. Well, this is my measure. Yeah. Am I enough to be Mind able to... Mind you, do... I'm always getting another visualisation to sit there. It's like, right, I'm going to sit next to Dan a day. I'm going to get my heart coherent. I'm going to raise him up. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Based on your yeah. three people in the yeah. room and the fourth game. And at least at the worst, you're having a good time. Yeah. The worst. <laughs> yeah. The worst, you're having a good time because you're generating self-regulation, emotional self-regulation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a great, a great phrase... Emotional self-regulation is the caretaker of love. Sounds good. Emotional self-regulation is yeah. the caretaker of love. love so it. the way that works is things that you love and care about. Yeah. How many times have you trashed because you've been in a shit mood or you've been defensive or you've yeah. said something, you've done something. You haven't cared for it. You haven't looked after it. Yeah. But when you, so your partner says something, you find yourself arc up. You know, it happens, I'm told, in relationships. <laughs> it's <sad. laughs> 11 years into a very good relationship. I thank God for heart math. Um, no, you, you know, you get that. Instead of the usual amygdala response, the fight, flight, survival, defense. Yeah, yeah. If you stop, if you're mature enough, emotional yeah. self-regulation is a mature state. Mm. Just give me a moment. Yeah. Oh. I love this girl. I love her so much. It's, mm. What the hell am I doing mm. raising my voice? What the hell am I... I'm so sorry for being such a dickhead. I was a bit scared. I thought you were saying this and suddenly the conversation... Oh, no, it wasn't that at all. And Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Let's go to dinner. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And Or at your work, at your boss, you say something. You, you threaten your job. Yeah. You love your job. It's something you love, but some emotional regulation would stop that cortical inhibition, that... Yeah. How many times that comes out? Mm. Whereas if you stop and, and get coherent, then I might just send him an email and let him know that yeah. I, I felt a bit put out by that, and maybe we can have a meeting. And yeah, so that's Please, where but, emotional yeah. self-regulation is yeah. the caretaker of love. And, yeah. and when we think about the things that we really love and how much we don't care, how much we diss them or trash them inadvertently through a lack of emotional regulation. Yes. And you see in our society, there is so little emotional regulation out there. You see it on the Facebook. I don't do the Facebook, but the Facebook, everyone is just very, they're responding and there's trolls or something. Oh yeah. Haters. And there's all these words now. Everyone's a hero behind on a keyboard, behind a screen. Um, We see it in the traffic. We see it on the street. We see it in the push. yeah. Yeah. Unregulated people. And what's it doing? It's only hurting them. I mean, it's hurting everyone, but yeah. 
fundamentally, if someone cuts in front of you and you're sitting there going, oh, fuck you, fuck you, he's yeah. gone. He doesn't mind. And there yeah. you are in your cortisol, cortisol yes. soup, yep. driving your heart rhythm into chaos, your brain. And when you get home and talk to your partner, you're all carrying on yep. and flapping around. And you miss the fact that and he or she's going to get it. Yeah. Or you miss the fact that he or she set up a lovely little spot for you to come home knowing you would have had a hard day and there's a lovely bottle of, you know, cab on the table or a nice little dinner and you, and you miss it. Oh, no, but this asshole cut me off. It's like... Yeah. The alternative is you can stop, shift your heart, yeah. slow heart-focused breathing, and with practice. It not, doesn't happen immediately. Some yeah. people don't feel it because they're so away from their feelings. They're so mm. unregulated mm. or so unconscious of their inner landscape. We often yes. talk about the inner emotional landscape. Some people just aren't aware of what they're feeling. Yeah. So it takes a little training, a little practice to, to get there. Yes. But when you are and you realize and you can stop, settle yourself down, yeah. get regulate, get coherent, and then you arrive home and you've had your shower before coming in the door. Yeah. You've differentiated between your work day, your driving day, and yeah. your precious thing that you love, which is your home life. Yes. That, that gift that you have, of, especially if you're in a relationship, that's a gift. You know? yeah. Ask any lonely person and they'll tell Indeed. you it's an amazing gift. Yeah. So I was asking you about your clients. You were. And the, so we've got uh, resilient training with organizations. Where yeah. That's one thing. Uh, we've got self-care which is yeah. a huge buzzword, which I'm really glad at the moment. There's whole forums on self-care, self-kindness, self-compassion. So anything to do with self-care, especially in the health sector, the nursing sector, yeah. uh, the caring sector, are learning that we need self-care. Otherwise, yeah. we don't have real care mm. if we're not looking after ourselves. And mm. how do we set these healthy boundaries in our world? And that's where the heart math really excels. Yes. Uh, and then one-on-one -on -one trainings with yeah. couples to help in relationships yeah. uh, for addiction, yeah. uh, Facebook addiction, alcohol mm. addiction, any addiction, um, and depression, anxiety, people suffering the malaise of the 21st century, the existential angst of who the fuck am I, what's all this about? What's all this shit about? Yeah, yeah. That's a great way to start because it's all in you. It's not saying, oh, you take on this philosophy or do this. This is what I like about yeah. HeartMath. It's not cerebral. You know, you can believe what you want. It it's doesn't hard. really matter. What do you call it? Cardiozoic. Yeah, it's all yeah. in the heart. So and you're accessing the wisdom according to the gospel of Bryn's heart. Exactly. And that one is going to be the right one. Yeah. Because I don't know you. I don't know what you need. You might need to be an asshole. That might yeah, be yeah, what yeah. you need to get through the next while or to uh, fix up something from the past or whatever. I, yeah. I, I don't want to be the judge well, Sometimes of that. you do... Yeah, you do need to lay it down. Yeah, but you don't want to be an arseaholic, and there's a lot of arseaholics <laughs> around. There is. We've got all sorts of alcoholics, and we've got arseaholics. And, and you see them. And yeah. a bit of kindness, a bit of care, a bit yeah. of heart, a bit of coherence can change that. So generally people who are suffering on yeah. some level, who are interested in a more validated methodology. Yeah. Because there's lots of good stuff, and I've done so much different stuff from Reiki and meditations and yeah. breathing stuff and, and all the stuff because I'm interested yeah uh, and I've gone right into other realms other work um, but the people come to this because they really like the biofeedback well, it's, it's measurable isn't it you know I mean for the listeners we, we had five or ten minutes just before we did this where we went through a simple exercise and you, and you popped you know a similar device on the end of my finger that you'd see probably if I went into the hospital and I, you know, yep. the thing that snaps on your finger type thing. 
and, and it measures my heart rate, but my heart rate variability. And we went through, think about this, think about that, think about that. And we could, you could see it. Yeah, the change is immediate. This is what's really yeah. nice. But you, yeah, so you can actually see, shit, I started thinking, for me, I was thinking about last week, I was back with my family in the UK for six days. I was thinking about times when I was there and stuff like that. And I, I got a warm glow feeling in my chest anyway. But boom, open my eyes and it's all there on the screen. Yeah, the green, in the green, nice smooth rhythm. Yeah. And what I often say is, is the best thing about the biofeedback is it keeps you honest. Yes. So we've got little portable devices we use ourselves and take in the car and you might think you're feeling all good. Yeah. And you sit there and you and you can't get coherent. And some days you can't. Yeah. And the other days you'll be extra kind to yourself. Yeah. Because that's what you need. Yeah. You actually need more of the kindness because you're yeah. struggling, not, yeah. not less. And that would be the gateway into the coherence. Exactly. And the moment I've found when I but do Don't that, judge yourself. No, no. Get coherent, you dickhead. <laughs> but this is it. The people, I've had people, one woman threw her little M-wave across the floor because she couldn't make it go green. It's like... Um, Dude, that's not going to happen. It's in you. It's not in the device. <laughs> the secret's in you. And this is what I love about biofeedback is you change how you feel mm. and this machine changes what it's showing you. Yes. And that's mystical when you think that all it's doing is measuring yeah. the little beat-to-beat change of the heart, the little timing yeah. of the heartbeat. Um, and so it does keep you honest. Yeah. And I also like the gateway through that when you're struggling, the solution is more kindness, not yeah. try harder. Because when you try, no. trying stressful. It's so judgment. You, and yeah, and so you get an incoherent crap. rhythm. Whereas when you drop into it, when yeah. You, okay. Oh wow. Let's get back to what after this heart focused breathing. Yeah, I can do that. Generate the feeling. Okay, let's just think. Okay. Oh my goodness, there we are, and it just comes on like that. Yeah. And that's a real joy. Do you find for yourself and with clients? Um, and I'm drawing on my own experience when I used to wear a heart rate monitor for running, cycling, swimming, etc. And then after about four to five to six months I didn't need to wear it anymore because I could just tell you what my heart rate was yeah. do you find that after a period of time the measuring requirement almost drops away because you just you just know the feeling because you know yourself because you understand you're in a landscape better yeah absolutely um, quite quickly you're recognising the state of coherence yes it's a state shift yes and it's really clear yes what's fun is to look like when we look over the years at yeah. the baseline change, yeah, it's awesome when we see yeah. the early rhythms and we see the mature change rhythms yeah. and they're sustained rhythms. Similar which is really to cool. looking at your resting heart rate as you get fitter and fitter, yeah. it drops down yeah. first thing in the morning. Yeah, and I mean some days you're struggling, so it's nice to have the little feedback. It's like a little, yeah, you know, little reward. Yeah. Okay, and I'm like, am I ah? There I am. And you get like a Pavlovian response. Yes. Because we've got beeps. You can have a sound. Uh, so it's a deeper one for the deep coherence and a lighter one or no sound when you're in the red. Yeah. Uh, when you're not coherent. So yeah. you hear that dong, dong. Ah. Oh. These are not expensive devices. Not at all. They're a couple hundred bucks or less. less. Yeah. They've got them on the phone now. They, I forget what they're called. Cheaper than yeah. the garment. And, I, and I'm not an um, overly tech-driven person. Yeah. I'm a bit of a Luddite. Um, but this sort of tech I, I like, and I like not having it on my phone yeah. because I think the phone represents too much 
in yes. today's world. No one uses it as a phone. It's a device. Yeah. So for Quite me... The phone's almost the misnomer. Though, it is. Um, so having a separate device, that's mm. just me though, and, and most people love it on the phone because they've got it with them all the time and they can yeah. quickly hook themselves up. Yes. And so um, they can... So you can get one on the phone, which is even less expensive. Uh, or, and you get the laptop version, which shows a lot more data. Yes. So depending where people are at. Mm. What have been some of the unexpected benefits of doing this work? I think when I see the change in people, like it can be quite dramatic sometimes. Yeah. And it is unexpected. I mean, it's expected in one way, but there's always the thing of, oh, is this going to work for this person? Yeah. They're a real mess. (laughs) (laughs) You know what Ooh, I mean? Shit, this is going to uh, test it. Yeah. And like a lot of things in life, we think this is the golden bullet. This is the thing. Mm. It's a, and it's not. There's no golden bullet. Yeah. Life's good it's enough. It's another thing. Yeah. But when you get, mm. you look at the early readings on someone, you know, and you see their personality and you can see what they're struggling with. And then they get underway. And each week mm. they come back. Because I sort of used to do like a four-week, five-week training. Very yes. simple do little things all through the day. And this is the joy of this work. It's 30 second exercises, one yeah. minute exercises. Yes. And if you can't do that, then don't bother. Yeah. Really, just Honestly, don't bother. because You're, you're not really that committed. In exactly. And occasionally a longer meditation. Yeah. Or session, if you like to, if you're scared of the word meditation. Yeah. Um, 10 minute, 15. But this has shown the accumulative effect of these little interventions in your heart rate variability with mm-hmm. your change over a six-week period literally change your baseline. Yes. They change your normal. So your normal might be chaos yes. and drama. Mm. Six weeks later, there's a new normal. It's not so chaotic. It's yeah. not so dramatic. But then deeper stuff might emerge. Mm. And that's what surprises. When the, and you allow it. Exactly. And you have be in a better state to deal with it. And you're more ready to deal with it. And even on the most simple way, it was this lovely woman I worked with and she's still years later using this technique mm. and you know she couldn't be grateful for anything she couldn't find gratitude and she had two beautiful children she's got a husband she got you know all the good things mm-hmm. um and and eventually just getting her to think about being grateful for being alive somehow that was a turning point so that was really cool and the biggest drama she had was just the irritability and anger and frustration at that time of day mm. when the kids come home from school to when they go to bed. Yeah. They're called the witching hour in the mm-hmm. um, yep. mum speak. Getting them washed and fed and read and the things. Yeah. And from my... I don't have children because I'm not responsible enough. Um, but no, <laughs> uh, from my point of view, it's like, wow, you're a parent. This is your children, the love of your life, of your loins, of your existence. And all you want to do is get to your Chardonnay. You know, you want to get it all done so you can sit on the couch and have me time. And yeah. there's a lot of that going on, the me time. Oh, shit. The narcissism is, is rife when you've got these beings that you're responsible for. Yeah. And it was bugging her, you're obviously. so driven yeah. to bring into your life. But she's a lovely person. Most people are. Most people underneath all that crap are good, beautiful, kind people. Mm. And she was. And it was really hard on her that she was in this anxiety and stress zone yeah so we got underway with the training and i think it was only three weeks in of doing the daily stuff and she said it's gone it's like she sits on the floor and plays with the kids it doesn't matter if they go to bed 10 minutes later it doesn't matter if they 
they end up cooking one meal and eating it all off the same plate or mm. little solutions yeah. little things that just but it went doesn't that. always need the sharpener <laughs> exactly <laughs> and it was unexpected because it was from her the result and the way it was driven and the way yeah. she came around and these stories they're food for the soul because it's like oh yeah. there you go there's the human arriving you know the, the yeah. craps disappearing hello. There. Yeah, yeah hello there hello. I, knew, I knew you were there somewhere Welcome back. yeah and uh, and that's always surprising it never doesn't be surprising yeah. I think um, because it's I see so much pain and um, righteous narcissism and anger in the world uh-huh. um, but to see the change and the choice to change and the desire to change then that that's very nourishing that's very mm. rewarding uh, yeah that's that's the good stuff what would so I, I love asking people who have a particular focus like yourself what would the great state of Western Australia be like if everyone spent at least two to five minutes focusing on their heart coherence? Oh my God. Everyone? Everyone. How many million people are here? A couple of million? Oh, we've got 2.4? 2.4. We've got many. Well, there's science about that sort of thing. There's science yeah. about reaching critical points of coherence. Yeah. what happens so when we've got three people around a table influencing one person yes when we've got 20 people in a room influencing maybe the neighborhood i don't know the house next door yes when you've got ten thousand, i mean humans have trouble conceptualizing numbers yeah um, but when you're talking millions that's yeah that's gigantic i wish the listeners could see your eyes right now <laughs> <laughs> i think that would help transcend the paradigm we're in across Australia at least yeah if not further into Asia as well which would then steamroll around and maybe nudge us into the next stage that we need to be in so imagine that if we could send a great heart coherence wave from Western Australia into Australia that yeah. then like a Mexican wave floods across yeah. Asia Africa Europe well it's funny you mention it because the Heart Math Institute has yeah. set up something called the Global Coherence Initiative. Yes, I have seen this. I forgot about it. And that. not only do they run global meditations where everyone mm. practices at the same time, mm. and you can look at a map on the line. If you go on the line, you can look at the maps of who's doing the heart math at the same time as you. Yeah. They've got sensors around the world that yeah. measures coherence of groups right. of people and the planet. Yeah. And they're starting to notice this feedback between nature and humans. Right. That our emotional states affect nature as much as disasters, natural disasters affect like humans. Yeah. On a big wave, on a big level. Right. There's an amazing subtle thing going on. And that's a big project of theirs is looking into mm. global coherence initiative, it's called. Right. And the idea is very similar to what you said. If we can get more coherence going consistently and at the same time, who knows? I don't. I, I couldn't say where that goes. There's a lot of woo-woo around that. There used to be the twelfth monkey concept, hmm. uh, where these monkeys uh, learnt this to go and wash their coconuts in the water or their bananas in the water and wash the sand off, and then this jumped across to another island where they weren't doing that, and then they started doing it. They're saying once enough of the monkeys learnt to do that, that it jumped across. The knowledge did. The knowledge did. I don't know whether uh, how apocryphal that was mm. or, or whatever but there's always been the idea that when we reach a critical mass 
um, that, that, that will hop across. Um, I mean, if you look at Ken Wilber's work, he's a man that I really like um, mm. because he talks about lines and levels of consciousness. And he talks about that when we get enough people in this transcendent state where we transcend and include everyone. We're not in this elite, enlightened yes. state. We, we understand that every level is important. So mm. we're not pushing it away, but we're, um, you know, we're thinking much bigger than just me and mine. We're thinking yeah. much bigger than my religion or my country. We're thinking much bigger than just my mm. planet and the people. We're thinking Big. bigger than my species and all the species. Yeah. We're thinking that... Bigger than now? Bigger than now. We're sitting on this rock in this huge cosmos. Mm. It's, you've got to think about this daily. We're on this little rock, tiny pebble, spinning around a, bur- spinning around a burning ball of gas, surrounded by billions of light years of empty space. Mm. And then billions of other things. Mm. And we know shit. You know, we don't know. That, mm. but, we, but if we can hold that cosmic consciousness, if we can hold that bigger, mm. then we tend to behave very differently than if we think getting that parking bay is the most important Boom. thing in my life. <laughs> yeah. And not getting it as well. Yeah. You know, I use the bigger to help me navigate the smaller. Yeah. Because it gives me perspective. It's like... Yes. In 20 years' time, is this really going to matter? This thing you're, you're mm. bashing your head against the wall about, are you really going to remember yeah. it? No. Yeah. Not at all. You know. What have you learned about yourself through all of this? Oh, my goodness. Well, I learned that I had a lot of problems. <laughs> I learned that I was quite close to intimacy and personal stuff. Yeah. And I had a persona that was awesome it was very charismatic and they had a lot of yeah. good things going for it to navigate the world yeah you know i was a performer and i was doing all sorts of things and um you know i was a nurse and i was all these willows there are a lot of willows um as we all have the different cells you know yeah i find it funny when people say oh i just got to express myself it's like well which self are you expressing yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know i want to express the higher self i yes. want to express the willow all of me yeah, that comes through with, uh, and this is what I've learned about myself, that there is uh, an authentic, loving, kind being here that really is okay. Hmm. Just warts and all. Hmm. Just don't have to do anything. I'm, a, I, I'm, I'm alive. It's a, I'm, I'm involved in an experience of living that is beyond my understanding, and that's fine because I'll get that. I'm sure something will nudge me along when I need to be nudged along around what I need to know and don't know. I've learned that I'm not my physical body. I've really mm. learned that because I've had enough experiences that have transcended my physical experience mm-hmm. and I've been conscious of it. So yep. it's been awe-inspiring. Mm-hmm. I've learned that uh, contemplating awe is an incredibly... Uh, contemplating... Awe, the awe. state of awe, yeah. is a wonderful thing to do every day to transcend the, the small and, yes. and head towards that oh my goodness, I, I, I'm, I'm so tiny, but I'm also part of everything. It, yeah. Um, and it's like, the thing I've most learned, probably more recently, and I think it's an accumulation of peeling away lots mm. of stuff, is that there's a me that's experiencing me. Mm. There's a me that's sort of there all the time. It has no opinion about whether I'm having a good time or a bad time. 
it's uh, it's getting the sensations and the th- it's watching the thoughts and and so it's like I'm I'm living in a space of awareness and if I tune into the awareness rather than the me I'm at peace I'm at ease I don't yes. need to go anywhere or do anything I, I've actually in this awesome oh this is what I wanted I, um, it's like an infinite peace uh, yes. there's a deep peace there there's a bit deep stillness and a deep okayness yes and the more time I can navigate and hang out up there yes the happier and more relaxed and, and the better I am all around mm. the more I focus on my personal preferences <laughs> the more disappointed I'm going to be yes. because I think to myself oh if I just get this everything yeah, will be okay and you get in there and it's like no nah. oh well, what about that oh no, no, no that's not oh what about over here and it's just a constant that, that's what we do as humans but yes. I think eventually you get to realise that wait on none of those preferences are going to do what I think they're going to do they're coming from somewhere else Yes. whereas this if I can tune into this bigger Awareness is the best word I think I can use, um, which I can feel. It's a kinesthetic thing. It's it's not just cerebral. It's actually a state of being yes. that you get from meditation. Uh, you shift there and realize you're, you're sort of being experienced. I don't know if that's the right way to mm. say. I, 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 yeah. yeah, and if you're there, that's then you can embrace all, all the things and feel good about the human experience. Yes. Yeah. Superb. What do the next three to five years look like? Any sort of plans of where you want to take this? Yeah, well, they have changed, uh, which has been really good through some undergoing. And I'm just heading to restart my counselling degree and my master's in counselling. And my goal is to introduce this through doing uh, a thesis or Mm. doing the academic process of bringing the kindness and the heart math work into the mainstream more because it's still Mm. not well known in Australia. In the States, it's done at schools and it's done in uh, healthcare systems and the military and the SWAT teams do it because they get really effective Mm. there on. And in Europe, but Australia tends... SWAT teams do it well. Yeah. I mean, people go, oh, SWAT teams are shooting, killing people, but think of it in a positive way. So If someone's more on the point on the game, they're less likely to shoot someone. Very good. So you're on point, you're in a very difficult environment, Mm. highly strung, super stressful. Yeah. A little boy walks in front of you. You don't pull the trigger because you're coherent. Yeah. You're, you're not fight, flight, there's something exactly. moving. <laughs> exactly. Next thing you know. And when oh. they did the training, they found that they were everyone was so far superior having done the heart math training mm. on their response times mm. and all that, better than the supervisors mm. even. Yeah. So I, I use that as to... You know, I'm not judging anything because, you know, if you were held hostage in a situation, you probably want the guys to come and help you out. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to pull back from, you know, looking at the good again. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, there's, uh, there's a great way forward with this if we can get it into the mainstream more. So having, uh, you know, that behind me, that's something that I, I really look forward to in the next few years. Mm-hmm. And uh, continuing my other exploration uh, of life consciousness what it means to be alive that the next yeah. three to five years i think have got some uh, interesting exciting times ahead. ahead yeah yeah without a doubt there you go what do you do as a daily sort of thing to keep yourself grounded well it's definitely i meditate at the start of every day yeah and i also play a game with my partner we start the day we have breakfast whether it's an elixir or generally we've been having elixirs every morning and we see yeah. play backgammon Every day for 10 years uh, because 
to me, it's saying Did to you life. Did you win? Oh, we measured. We measured like sixty or eighty games, and it was even. We right. couldn't believe it. Six months we measured games, and it turned out neck and neck. Because I used to get a bit down when I get beaten too much, and then it wouldn't be so much fun to play, of course. And I'm learning to be much better at that. Um, take the significance out, and then so we thought, no, we'll mark down every game for six months, yeah. and it was equal. Yeah, which was great. So but, you had a bit of a negative bias going on there. A little bit. But the idea of playing a game every day, it says life's a game. You know, don't yeah. take things so seriously. There's always time to do something that's playful. playful and then yeah. we hit the mat and we meditate, whether yeah. it's 10 minutes or 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah. And that meditation uh, is essential because mm. I don't know how you can get out of bed with the dreaming and the, the processing of, you know, uh, don't get me started on dreaming. Um, and then get up and do your things and head into the day and not have some anchoring. Yes. Um, and what's noticed is a lot of people, because they're using their phones as their alarm clocks, mm-hmm. they're going straight on the line. They're going yeah. straight onto social media. Straight into that Instagram, Facebook, and anxiety. Boom. Well, the problem is it, it's all reactive. It's well, like, if you think about what you were saying earlier on, you had the small packet of stuff at the start of your day, <laughs> and you go one way or the other. Cortisol, What are you yeah. choosing? As soon yeah. as you get the old, you know, oh, fuck, there's an email or a text or a... Facebook thing or, or Instagram or he or she looks pretty and I don't. Yeah. Boom. And it's reactive. Where are you going? And if you start your day in reactivity, you're not in charge of your life. Whereas mm. if you say the first hour of the day, no phones, no internet, no bloody oh. on the line. Yeah. Instead, try sitting outside in a chair with a cup of tea or coffee or mm. healthy super smoothie or whatever mm. and just consider your day. What you've got on, what you haven't got on, what you'd like to have on looking at the birds maybe or not you can go as hippie as you want and be yep. totally connected to the infinite nature of reality in front of you mm. contemplate that for a, f- a few minutes yep. or you can do very practical and say oh well, this is where I am and and it's it's you being more action focused you're you're not yeah. reacting you're acting and by taking charge even that one simple act of that first hour owning that and you know, defending that. Yes. Like a knight would defend a castle. Yeah. Defend that hour vigorously. From the shit of the it world. It changes the whole, it changes your whole reality. It changes yeah. your whole world. And it's as simple of having the discipline to get unhook from the dopamine addiction, which is the same as heroin that yep. you get when you click, 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 click on the Facebook, yep. uh, on the likes and all that stuff. You've got to unplug from that. Yeah. And we've used HeartMath to help someone with a Facebook addiction. Lots yeah. of people are doing that. And we didn't say stop going on Facebook. We said when you get that urge, that perturbation, that little thing yeah. in the oh, field, oh, what's going on? stop, do the quick coherence, do the technique yeah. for one minute, one minute only, yeah. and then let us know how you're going. Yeah. 60% reduction in one week. Yeah. 60% and feeling so much better about himself. Yeah. Because he's not like jigging away on the Facebook. Yeah. So that's the, so the takeaway is that choose to act rather than mm. react to start your day and you're setting off a better biology a better neural soup a better hormonal soup um, yeah. the whole, all the pathways to more enjoyment mm. definitely so one of the last questions I always ask my guests is if you could take a little nugget of information and upload it into the collective consciousness so everyone just gets it what would that be? it would be the the understanding around self-kindness mm. and the the affect that can have on yourself and then the outflow into the world, the, the simple science of the mammalian caregiving system, yes. the oxytocin, where you, that connectivity is now for yourself, 
that yes. bonding agent you're bonding with you the the you who you need to love and and fall in love with and think really good things about and speak very kindly to and yeah. very softly and be very allowing because life's difficult that would be the thing that i'd love to see flow because i think we'd have a very different society yes if we had more self-compassion and yeah. self-care yeah mm. Yeah, I mean, my takeaway, if I could upload something from today, is just the impact you're having on the collective electronic, electromagnetic experience of everyone else. Yeah, and I think if everybody was aware of that, then it would probably be benevolently slightly intolerant of people turning up as dickheads. (laughs) Very good, and out of my party, dickhead. Exactly, but in a very kind manner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and this is the thing: it's not. I don't want to pick up what you point out. It's not to get carried away and think they're all going to be lovey things because no. love is a very broad and deep experience mm. and, and there can be a lot of complexities and layers, but the difference is how we're going about these things. Mm. And as you said, you know, we are emanating our experience into the field. Yes. Whether we want to believe that or not, it's, it's obvious. The data goes on the, on the electromagnetic field and yes. out it goes. So a bit of emotional hygiene, yeah, uh, a bit of emotional self-regulation, just the most basic sort of keeping yourself balanced and clear, yes, um, and not perfect, not getting it right every day. Some days it's a disaster, and nothing yeah. you do works. And what do you need then? More kindness, more care. It's a beautiful virtuous cycle. Yes, where the others a vicious cycle that rolls out. The yeah. self-incrimination creates the cortisol and the threat defense system and the narrowing and the self-focus and yeah. off we go. Whereas the other system is virtuous because it's like, oh yeah, nothing's working today. Oh, that must be hard. I'm sure some people have days like, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people have days like, oh, that's a bit rough. What do you need? Oh, I think I just need to tuck up with a good book and just switch off for a yeah, while. So I'm gonna oh, do oh, it. that feels good. Yeah. Boom. It's very straightforward instead of, oh, you should be better than I'll oh, get out there and yeah. go to the gym. Do, do, and do, it. do it. It's like, whoa, that's the last thing I need. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's hard enough at the moment. I need this. And when we're suffering is when we need the care. We don't mm. have the care because we're suffering. We're suffering because we need, you know, we need care. That's yeah. because we're undergoing. And that's when you need that soothing touch, soft vocal tones from yourself. Yeah. And you try it out and it's a new paradigm you create. Yeah. And what we've noticed at home is that especially in the last six months or so where I've really gone deep into this work because yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love sharing it. It, it. it makes sense to the little willow who didn't get that. Yeah. Is that when my tone changes in a conversation or a situation at home, it stands out so much now yeah. that I've gone out of kindness and I can come back very quickly and go do a quick coherence, go do a heart math thing, yeah. settle myself, or what do you need, Willow? What's, what's that? Oh, yeah. oh, you're feeling like that. And we get some understanding. We've got good open dialogue. We've got really great communication because we're, we're communicating from our deeper selves and the, yeah. the good for the one and the all, not just me. Yes. Um, and that's, that's awesome. That's, a, that's a, a gift when I see relationships. We see so many couples and I'm like, what are you doing together? Yeah. It's horrible. You're all fighting your own camps and yeah. trying to gain the ground. It's like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. Where's the love? Where's the tender kindness and the and the gift, the respect and the mm. oh, what a great thing! I'm I'm with someone. They they tolerate all my idiosyncrasies yes. and all my imperfections, and they and they they wake up with me, and they they're happy to do that. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Exactly. <laughs> there we go. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. It's been fascinating. It's given me 
so much to think, digest, feel into. Oh, great. Well, I'm um, If anybody wants to come find you, where do they find you? Yeah, we, Obviously not on Facebook. No, well, we had that conversation <laughs> at home. My partner was saying, what, how, what if someone wants to contact me? Well, I've got a phone. You can call me on the phone. Uh, we've got a, fa- uh, uh, a web page called The Self-Kindness Project. Yeah. It looks a bit like it's set up just for groups and things, but yeah. it's a portal through to us. We're, we're just changing our web presence, so yeah. we'll have a much more accessible one. And I do have a business Facebook page called Willow Francis Heart Math Coach and Trainer. Yeah. The challenge is I'm not doing the algorithm that everyone tells me will make me successful in business, which is post three times a day, put oh, up something yeah. that everyone will be great getting something free and then come behind the back door and pull them in to try and make business because that yeah. just feels wrong. Yes. And I haven't succeeded. Yeah. My success is organic experiences. Have a mm. coffee, catch up, have a talk. Is this yes. for you? Is it not? Or yeah. um, I'm hoping to do maybe some more public talks because that's always yeah. going well, sharing this on a free forum yes. or $5 entry or something like so, that. Yeah, but uh, at the moment, the Self-Kindness Project, you can go there and mm. my phone number's there and the email. So yeah. that's a great way to catch up uh, and talk some more if it's right for you or can point you in the direction of other things as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's been great. Cheers.